Some days you're the pigeon, and some days you're the statue. That's Jay Bear. I think that's a particularly <laughs> adept mindset. Uh, and it's one I really try and follow. I really try to not get too excited when things go well, and I definitely don't get too down when things go poorly. I get a little frustrated sometimes and uh, and anxious, as we all do, when you get overloaded. But I try and stay pretty even keel. Jay is a speaker, an author, and the president of Convince & Convert, which is a marketing and customer service agency. And that quote we just heard is from a poster in his office given to him by his mom. Jay is a guy who appreciates a great quote. You like to say, it's not the wand, it's the wizard. What does that actually mean? Well, I've been in technology and online marketing now for almost 25 years. And I have seen many cycles of excitement about new technology, right? It was... It was the web and email marketing and search marketing and paid search marketing and banner ads and social and content marketing and influencer marketing, right? It's the same story with the same hype cycle every single time. And and in each of those circumstances, there's this promise that if you buy this new thing, that if you license this platform, that if you pay this low monthly fee, Jay, that somehow you will magically become a better marketer and a better human being. And it's not true. Right. The, the software is only as good as the people at, at the controls. And so I always feel like you need to figure out who you are, what you want to do, and how to be the best you you can be, and then get the right software to amplify that. But this idea that, that a computer is going to solve your problems is really misplaced. Why is it so easy or why do people tend to focus on the, the want? Because they don't actually know what it is that they need to do. You see this all the time when people are trying to decide what software platform to purchase. They sit and do a bunch of demos and read some sales sheets and look at a bunch of bullet points about features and benefits. And based on that, they, they pick a platform. But what they really should do is say, all right, what exactly am I looking to accomplish? And is software even necessary or even the right way to accomplish that? The reason people put all of their fate essentially in the wand is that they really don't know the wizard well enough. Content marketing's cup runneth over with advice from other people. But in the deluge, something precious has started sinking to the bottom. You. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I believe there's something more to this content marketing work that we do. I'm out to find others who feel the same way and use that belief to break from conventional thinking. It's unthinkable. In partnership with Content Marketing World. Jay's a guy most people in marketing believe has a magic touch, but ask him about his secrets and he'll share no spells, no pages ripped from ancient books. Instead, the impressive intimacy he shows with internet incantations is thanks to his influences as an infant. My mom was a high school teacher and a, and a damn good one uh, and was very, very good in, in front of a classroom and in groups and as a leader and was always the head of this and head of that. My dad was an entrepreneur and was the president of a lot of different things. My grandfather was uh, a very well-known uh, business owner in the Midwest. And, and so 
you don't think of that necessarily as as raw materials for your own life, but you look back and say, oh yeah, like just just osmosis. You you were kind of head kind of pointed in that direction from yeah. from the very beginning. And I guess for me, it started fairly early. I, I was the even in high school, I was always the MC, right? I was even as a sophomore, I was the guy you know, doing the hosting of the talent show and the pep assembly and all that stuff. Was there a moment where you're like, there, there's an MC opening or a, a host of some school show that you're like, oh, I really want to get that? You know, it's funny you ask that. I don't really remember how that started. I, I don't, I don't remember saying, I'd sure like to do this. I think it was more. We were in a student council meeting, and I was one of the student council nerds, and somebody said, well, somebody has to be the assembly. Jay will do it and just sort of gave me the microphone. I don't think there was a big uh, RFP process <laughs> at that time. Jay is one of the most prolific creators in content marketing today. He writes, he speaks, he hosts podcasts, video series, and a whole lot more. And it feels like every single week, somehow, he conjures up a new content series. Hi, I'm Jay Bear. Welcome to Jay Today, my brand new video series. I'll be bringing you episodes on a nearly daily basis, all about social media, marketing, and business. I'm here in San Diego. Jay is constantly creating. And what makes his work magic is not the wand he waves. It's the hooded man himself. Well, I'll put it this way. There was a time when being a geek was a, at least kind of a bad thing. And now it's like, pff, no way. We fly the flag, man. Like, join Geek Nation. This is, this is who run the world now, so. Jessica Best is not someone who separates her personality from her work. Or from, like, any interaction. Not everybody gets excited about email marketing. Um, but for me, I was like, it was kind of a, a way to start a conversation with somebody. Like, I really geek out on this stuff. Like, how can I help? Whatever. And now it's like, no, like I, I, I stick my flag in the ground. I'm an email geek. <laughs> I'm totally, totally willing to claim it with, with pride on my face. I think there could be a perception that email of all channels kind of squeezes the person that you are out of it. You know, I think you hear things like tone of voice or your creativity or personality when it comes to a podcast or blogging or a video. You are someone that is nothing if not authentically you everywhere you go. Does that come through in email? How? I, I would argue that you actually have the opportunity, just like anywhere, to insert your tone and you kind of have a responsibility to do it. I mean, think of how much email you have in your inbox right now. Do you need something else that's kind of vanilla? No offense to vanilla, but I don't think that there's <laughs> I don't think there's room in my inbox for another, hey, I could really help your business grow its revenues this year. Right. Everybody's trying it. to compete on being, oh, everyone else in my field is vanilla. I'll be vanilla bean. And it's like, well, if you just threw in some like Cherry Garcia into that inbox, all of a sudden you got some personality, you're standing way, way out and getting results. Right. And I love that that's that's a great example because it's not like I'm asking you to be steak. You can still be ice cream. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like totally, you don't totally. have to reinvent the wheel. There are going to be systems and best practices that mean it's a shortcut. It's a shorter line from here to completion, from here to return on investment. But yeah, you got to add a little something to it. Or frankly, we live in a world where people can ignore you if they want. I mean, especially email marketing, people can ignore you if they're busy or if you just didn't catch their attention. And there it is. The name of the game that we all play. Attention. Whether you're junior or senior, B2B, B2C, top of funnel or bottom, it doesn't matter. 
Behind that curtain in Oz, there is no mythical magic. It's just a marketer who knows how to capture the imagination and hold it using a sheet and some smoke or maybe some marketing automation software. Few channels like email have as much technology and automation and measurement and data and an emphasis on data. And I think it it, it can be very easy to look at email and be like, well, it actually is the wand. You're kind of screwed if not for amazing tools and technology. Do you believe that Jay Bear quote? How does that manifest in your work with email marketing? First of all, I love any quote that involves a wizard. Uh, and frankly, I love anything Jay Bear says. Uh, but the <laughs> the truth in his statement, I feel like for email marketing, changing a tool does not make your output any better. What I've seen people actually shoot themselves in the foot about is I'm going to change to a new email platform because I can't get what I need out of my old email platform. And what they realize is you got to take that dirty data and those bad processes and that you know, the, the pre-send checklist that you're using from the old platform, all that moves over. Your talent is the same. Your database looks the same. So really, it's, it is the wizard. It is that you, you took the tool and used it in a way that kind of makes it not as valuable anymore. One of my clients is Spirit Airlines. I defy you to tell me that Spirit Airlines email marketing doesn't have a voice that will make you laugh out loud in your It's it's great. As someone who travels constantly for speeches, it is an unbelievable voice. Oh, I love it. It's one of my favorite clients to work on. And and I'm not the copywriter. Like I don't even get to take credit for that. But this team dreams up the craziest stuff and then somehow makes that work across all channels. To Jay Akunzo. That's me. From Spirit Airlines Deals. Subject, the story of the littlest elf. Once there was a wee elf, like really wee, shorter than all the other elves combined. Wait, wait, that doesn't seem so wee, but you're missing the point. He was the shortest elf in all the workshop, and today is the shortest day of the year, the perfect time for a trip to the Southern Hemisphere. I will go to the edge of an assumption here and say that anybody that's listening to Content Marketing Institute or attending Content Marketing World probably has a little content creator in them. You know, I'm a journalism major, so I'm a content creator, even though I'm not technically a copywriter. Um, You're the only one that brings what you have to the table. You got to bring that because everybody else has got them. The only thing they don't have is you. You're the only one that's got you. I'll admit, as a content marketer, it's really easy to want the wand. It's far simpler to seek the spells. New trends, new tools and channels, and new ideas bombard us every day. They create tons of questions. And we, and our bosses, and our clients, and our customers, often seek those answers from others. Like, say, well-known speakers. But my bet is that those well-known speakers seek their answers in a much different place. Over the next few months, every other week, we're going on a journey exploring exactly that. We're teaming up with the industry's biggest event, Content Marketing World, to hear from leaders you know, sharing stories you don't. We'll discover what makes those wizards great, and we'll walk away ready to unleash our own magic. We want to know what happens when a content marketer uncovers and applies their very best selves to their work. Jay Bear is his best self when he's talking about barbecue. You're a certified barbecue competition judge. I am. Uh, 
how did that happen? So I, my dad owned a steakhouse when I was a kid. And so I was raised sort of uh, for, for a time behind the bar of the steakhouse. My job was to keep the jukebox playing. He'd give me a roll of quarters every morning, be like, okay, you're in charge of the jukebox, which is why I know so much about uh, kind of mid seventies uh, rock, like Helen Reddy and, uh, and mud honey and people like that. Like I really wow. have a degree of knowledge about that era that I frankly shouldn't possess. <laughs> uh, and, and so I was, I was raised, you know, in, in that environment. My grandfather was always a, a big outdoor backyard kind of barbecue grilling hobbyist. And, and so I just always liked meat and fire. And I sort of got interested a few years ago, there was a television show on for a short time called barbecue Pitmasters. And loved that show, thought it was really interesting because it actually followed people documentary style on the competition barbecue circuit. I'm like, wow, well, nothing's better than competition barbecue. You sit around all weekend and drink beer and, you know, make food for prize money. This seems like the greatest thing ever. And so I got some friends of mine interested in it and we thought about starting a competition team, but everybody's travel schedule kind of got in the way. And then I ended up interviewing one of the stars of that show uh, for my book, Utility. And so got to meet him and learn some of the ins and outs of the, of the, of the circuit. Uh, and then decided while I couldn't go on the circuit to compete just because of my schedule, I could at least on occasion participate as a judge. And so I went to judging school. Barbecue school is, of course, the very best kind of school. Uh, and learned all kinds of crazy stuff about what is and what is not quality competition barbecue. Yeah, there's probably a ton of nuance and, and hidden things that, that the average griller doesn't know. Like for me, I'm like, okay, I know a grill is better than the stovetop. Check on that box. But right. then I'm going to throw a bunch of just store-bought sauce all over it and probably ruin yeah. it in your eyes. Like, what are some of the things that we might not know that you've gotten way deep into knowing? So one of the things that's uh, different about competition barbecue from backyard barbecue is is how competition thinks about tenderness. Uh, and where that is most acutely different is in ribs. So in backyard or even at a restaurant, people are commonly will commonly say, these ribs are so terrific because they just fall off the bone, right? And and tenderness, right. tenderness is sort of like a, a badge of honor. Like these ribs are so tender. Well, in competition, that's actually if you if you served a, a rib like that that quote unquote fell off the bone, that would be a one out of ten score. That and so what they want in competition is when you bite the rib. It creates the semicircle, the half moon bite mark, and and the meat is supposed to tug away from the bone just a little bit, but not fall off the bone. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't there like there's some rule on the containers or something like that too that like they yeah. serve it in? And, and, and this one, <laughs> you 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 feel like there's a level of of trustworthiness uh, in the world until you go to competition barbecue school <laughs> and they tell you how people cheat at competitive barbecue. What? Right, exactly. That's what I said. What? So here's what happens, or or what can happen. So every time somebody turns in their their entry, uh, all competitors use the same white uh, styrofoam clamshell, uh, like you'd get for a takeout to go box, and they're issued those by the competition. So they're all the same. Well, what they teach you to look for is when they when they bring it to the judging table, they open up the clamshell, uh, and you've got to scour, scan the inside of it to make sure there's no mark, like a like a finger fingernail mark or uh, a tiny scratch, because that's called marking the box. And what can happen is a competitor can say to you, "Hey Jay, I know that they randomize which uh, entries go to which judge, but if by chance you see one with a mark in the top left corner, that's mine. Yeah. Give that all nines." Same. Uh, for the same reason, if you see 
even a tiny little piece of a toothpick or a little broken off plastic fork tine or a tiny little bit of aluminum foil in the box that looks stray, it's an automatic disqualification because while it may just very well be a, a stray piece of tinfoil, it could be marking the box and you are DQ'd and out. Wow. So the average American does not get to the level of nuance and detail that you've gotten to with barbecue. Like, is there, this might be a little bit of uh, mental gymnastics, but is there something that you've taken away from judging barbecue and actually like found that improving or changing something about your work in marketing and customer support? There's, there's two things that I, I really believe are simpatico on that question, Jay. One is I love the fact that in barbecue school, They teach you that all scores are between zero and zero is a disqualification, between zero and nine. And of course, in every uh, school, hand goes up. In my school, it was, of course, me. And I said, hey, by the way, why is it zero to nine? Why is it not zero to ten? And my instructor said, because there's no such thing as perfect barbecue. Mm. I love that. Oh, my. As a writer? Oh, writer, as a speaker, as a podcaster. Everything. yeah, I was like, oh. So I need to get. I need to have my mom make me another sign, which says there's no such thing as a perfect blank. And the second thing I would say is barbecue is really tricky as a as a competition because you do have to do the four meats, and they have very specific turn-in times, and it's based on how fast meats cook, right? So chicken usually is due at ten, uh, pork is usually due at eleven, ribs are due at eleven thirty brisket is due at 12. I mean, and, and, and the thing is, they have a clock. And if you're even one second late for a turn-in, you are disqualified. I mean, there's no... I mean, they have a big digital clock, and you see people running, literally running, sprinting, with a styrofoam box filled with brisket all the time. And, and that adherence to a schedule and specificity around time and execution is really good training for content marketing at scale. There's lots of wisdom, and I'm throwing up my air quotes now, my audio air quotes. There's lots of wisdom in the speaking community about how you should be on stage, what is appropriate, what is proper, how, how should you say things, how should you carry yourself, how should you move on stage. There's, there's as many speakers as there are, there's as many opinions about how you should speak. But the problem is, every time you try to be somebody else or take somebody else's advice and take it literally, then you are by definition not being yourself. And the thing that kills speakers is artifice because the audience can see it a mile away. When you're trying to speak like somebody else, it just doesn't come off as as believable. And so I've had uh, lots of great mentors on the speaking side of my career and really, really fortunate to have them. And and from the very beginning, uh, several of them said to me, you have, for whatever reason, a degree of likability and relatability that you can't teach. So don't polish that out of your act. Don't don't try to get so perfect and polished and stylized and specific that you lose what makes you different to begin with. And I think mm-hmm. that was really good advice, and I've tried to follow it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. I I, uh, I was rehearsing a speech, and I was really trying to nail the opening, and I I found myself 
I was like, I was like the playlist that starts with ACDC and continues with all like hair, <laughs> like hair metal. Like it was just all. You should see my hockey playlist. Yes. I'm the DJ for my son's hockey team and it's, it's nothing but, uh, uh, Iron Maiden and ACDC. <laughs> so that was like my, my, op- my practice speech speeches up until that point. And I was like, I have to get more nuanced with the way I, I use the volume and intensity of my voice. So let me record myself a couple times. And I sent it to a mutual friend of ours, Andrew Davis. And I was like, what do you think? I tried to use more pauses here because i was like listening to other speakers and he just shoots back an email i'll never forget his one line he goes you sound like william shatner (laughs) and it's like because i'm an energetic guy and what i was trying to do was figure out in again air quotes what works instead of what could work for me you know the goal was the same i want to get to a better tempo or something like that but i was removing who i was and looking at others and what they did and just trying to copy and then i was just a cheap fast simile yeah he just has to it has to feel natural and practice can, can make it feel natural, make it more feel natural, but there's a boundary of even with practice, what will feel natural to you. And I find that some people both in speaking and and also in writing will, will try to push it beyond what their natural boundaries of comfort are. And the results are typically not what they're looking for. This September, 2017, I'll be the opening keynote at Content Marketing World. I literally can't wait. And you can hear Jay Bear and Jessica Best deliver their great talks too, plus mingle with 4,000 of the absolute best human beings that I know in content marketing. Seriously, the event is all about people. I go every year. And that's why we're doing an every other week unthinkable series together with that event, talking to the people you know about stories you don't. Remember, Wands can change hands. They're commodities. They can be replicated and copied. But if you do your work by unleashing not a wand, but the wizard, you're not doing things that other people can do. You're doing things that only you can do. 